Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or a psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly recommended. What does ponder actually mean? Well, according to one dictionary, it means to weigh in the mind to think about and reflect on. On our Let's Ponder episodes that are shared on the Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity podcast, we discuss taboo and questionable subject matter. For example, size. Does it really matter? Or do you really want to know the number of partners your significant other has been with? How about being in a sexless marriage? These and other topics are what we talk about on Let's Ponder. Welcome, everybody, to Let's Ponder on Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca, and I hope your week has been going well. Transitioning into fall, it feels like fallout here, starting to get there. Though we've had a lot of uh, brush and forest fires up in our area in the Pacific Northwest, and once again, that wind is pushing it towards us, so our air quality is pretty poor out there, and the skies look brown during the day, and the moon looks... um, well, the moon and the sun, they just look a different color. It's kind of, it's sad when this happens this time of year. Today, I am going to share a story about a gentleman who was a male escort. I do want to warn you that this story does contain some violence and rape as well. And so if those are subjects you're really sensitive to, I just wanted to caution you that this may be triggering for you. I moved out of my abusive parents' house when I was 16, originally to my brother's, but he kicked me out after he thought I had sex with his fiance. This was ridiculous because I was a virgin and had barely been touched by a woman, ever. I quickly found a place to stay with a work friend and his girlfriend. The guy was a dick, but he didn't charge me too much. His girlfriend? Well, she liked to walk around naked in the apartment. I thought they were pretty young, but they had an open relationship. Or so he said. He would bring girl after girl home and have sex with them anywhere he wanted, except my room. This all went south pretty quickly. His girlfriend was suspicious but couldn't prove anything for the longest time. I wasn't dumb or naive, I just hadn't been exposed to a lot of popular kids. I was a six-foot beanpole. I would talk to his girlfriend when she was there, and eventually she found Polaroids of him with other girls. She lost her mind. I told her that I thought they were swingers. Wrong word, but that's what I thought swinging was at the time. She was bawling her eyes out, and I comforted her, but... She had other ideas. I was pretty lost. We had no satellite, no cable, no porn, no swimsuit mags when I was a kid. So all I had was a book that I had found at a yard sale. In it, a man seduces a woman. The story goes into great detail about him taking his time and a whole lot about going down on the woman. 
I figured this was normal, so I grabbed her by the legs and performed cunnilingus on her until her legs and ass were shaking and she pushed my head away. They had a bowl full of condoms, so I took one and put it on. My roommate had gone to the local health unit and they gave out free condoms. They were the lifestyle brand. After struggling to put it on multiple times, I was successful. I was told that my first time would be over quickly, so I took my time pushing myself into her. It felt like forever. Either way, eventually, I was in her, felt my penis head making contact, and she was screaming bloody murder. Turns out, the shape of my member was perfect for hitting her in what I know now was obviously her G-spot. She began bucking like crazy, and I felt a snap on my penis. I found out later that the condom broke. Time was passing as I penetrated her. Five minutes, 15, 30. She was sweating profusely. I didn't feel any of the triggers that would let me know I was close. Eventually, after about 45 minutes, she begged me to finish, so I faked it. When I pulled out of her, I found the condom had basically wrapped itself tightly around my shaft, acting like a cock ring. She looked at me naked for the first time and noticed the broken condom. She lost her mind worried about pregnancy, so I had to tell her I hadn't finished. There was a lot more that led me to being homeless after this encounter because the roommate found out and she said some really mean things to him. I did remember her telling me that she felt somebody should pay me to fuck, which stuck with me. As a homeless guy, life wasn't easy. But because I still had a job, I was able to eventually get into the YMCA, which had rooms for rent, a communal shower, and a lot of really bad people. One day I was in the shower, and another guy came in and started showering. He talked to me, and again, as a naive kid, I didn't mind him discussing my build and penis. He asked if I fucked my girlfriend and if I had tried men. It was odd, but I was naive. I would go to high school daily and work out of town at a restaurant nightly. My old bus driver allowed me to catch a ride to work, but I ran the 15 kilometers home every night. Eventually, a guy in a Cadillac started driving by me a bunch of times while I ran home. Eventually, he stopped and offered me a ride home. I agreed. During the ride, he started talking about me having sex with my girlfriend and giving her six hard inches. He talked a lot before driving past the YMCA. That night, he offered me money to see my penis. Once he saw it, he offered me more to get it hard, more to jerk it, etc. Eventually, he paid me 200 bucks to suck it. I was broke, alone, and had no idea what the fuck was going on. Eventually, he made me come and my knees almost buckled. I came a lot, and then he got in his car and told me he'd see me around. I walked home with more money in one blowjob than in a week's work as a dishwasher. I didn't feel like it was gay to receive head, 
but I promised myself that was my limit. The guy picked me up three more times that month, and each time it was the same thing. It stopped suddenly when he was arrested for soliciting minors. I found out that he was our alderman, an elected member of a municipal council. I didn't feel bad about any of it because in my head, I did what was necessary to survive. The man that had approached me in the shower saw me get out of the Cadillac one night and visited me in my room and told me that the man driving it was known for paying boys for sex. He said this as I put 200 bucks on my table. I didn't put two and two together until the next time I saw him. I invited him in and that was the end. He attacked me smashed my head into a concrete wall, hit me over and over in my head and back. He got me on my bed and stuck a knife against my throat. My left eye was blind and my right eye was closing. He had broken my shoulder, my arm and wrist, four ribs, my orbital bone. He smashed my knee and ankle all before he tore off my pants and while holding the knife to my throat, shoved himself into me anally. While he was thrusting into me, he stabbed me three times, but thankfully the knife was small so the penetration wasn't too deep. I don't know how long he took, but before he left, he kicked me in the back of my head, knocking out four teeth. I was on the bed frame, so I think he went for what's called a sunshine kiss. Basically, he tried to kill me. Two days later, I woke up and somehow dragged myself to the showers and was found there. I was in the hospital for six weeks. I didn't have a single visitor, no family, no friends, nobody. When I eventually made it back to my apartment, I had found that he had stolen all the money I had and any possessions. He moved out the night he attacked me and I never saw him again. The police did no investigation, and nobody ever spoke to me about it. This is when I decided I was done with all the crap. My parents had beat me since birth, my brother molested me, my babysitter did as well. Everyone in my life wanted to take from me, so I kind of shut myself off. A year later, I had recovered enough and had started working out like crazy. I had fixed my teeth, changed my style, and began dressing way better. I worked hard and began living. I had dropped out of school and worked any job that I could. I would work for people, building decks and fences, and eventually did work for a woman that was actually a bit of a madam. She was 50 and I was 18, 19, and she had sex with me after I finished her deck. I discovered that day that female escorts actually hire male escorts more often than they have relationships. She paid me and hired me, but also trained me. We had sex daily, threesomes, foursomes, etc. Building my skills and teaching me how to treat women the way they want to be treated. For the first year, 
She basically mothered me into every different form of sex she could, except homosexual. She provided me with a place to live, food, helped me pick out clothing, etc. My madam was very careful to teach me oral skills. Anal was a big deal because it's taboo, and women would try it with a pro, but not their boyfriends. She made a lot of money, but guys weren't hiring escorts as much as women were. It was the beginning of a period where women acknowledged their men rarely knew how to satisfy them. She got me clients for which she took 50%. Originally, my clients seemed random. No men sexually, but plenty of clients that hired me were husbands or boyfriends wanting to see their wives or girlfriends with another man. Some craved humiliation, which meant I had to always stay in shape and do everything to make my cock look as big as possible. The number of men with dick-sized fetishes is surprisingly high. I was with women. I avoided penetration with men, but oral on me did happen. A lot of guys are way more open about giving oral than they were being fucked. Also, most men do not want anything substantial in them the first time. After my rape, I've never had a man penetrate me. I did allow women to wear a strap-on if that was their desire, but it was costly and avoided. As time progressed, my clients started to become regulars. Surprisingly to me, I was employed by a lot of women in the industry. Also, a significant number of professional women are just looking for guaranteed performance. I was requested for sex parties or for what I would call bucket list items. Couples wanting a third or fourth. Unique clients would be wanting certain role-playing events. I was always surprised by how many clients had rape fantasies. Women in their 50s really began appreciating that I was clean-cut, attractive, polite, and wise enough to play their games. Older women that just wanted to feel like they could still get a younger man. I was flown to various countries. I learned more and experienced what became a regular occurrence where women hired me so their husbands could perform oral. It was strange at first, but I felt comfortable allowing it, especially in places that weren't North America. Eventually, I became quite popular with early 20s Asian clients, black couples wanting a white boy and divorced wives. The number of men who got videos of their exes being pleasured was astounding. The need for good sex is still an issue among modern women. My favorites were women that simply wanted to be taken and fucked until they couldn't take it any longer. It took me years for me to realize that making a woman scream in pleasure was more for me than for them. I craved appreciation for my skills, even just for being wanted. The best client ever was a 46-year-old former bodybuilder. She was in amazing shape, and she was the only client that ever deep-throated me entirely and made me come instead of allowing it to happen. Another client who hired me nearly weekly was an Arabic woman. 
When we began foreplay, she came as I kissed her neck, and she came when I touched her breasts with my tongue. When I licked her or caressed any of her sensitive areas, and when I touched her clit, she squirted. Finally, when I was entering her, she came with nearly a half an inch, and then if I pulled out, she would do it all over again. This was her issue, oversensitivity. Her friends had told her she just needed to build up a tolerance for feelings. I fucked, cuddled, made love to her weekly for a year. By the end, she found a happy ground when she told me her boyfriend was now able to be with her without coming a million times. The last time she hired me, she had me take her on the balcony on the 24th floor so she could come loudly and proudly. When I started, I made $50 per session, but I was in the hole at first for all the clothes, rent, etc. I had three clients a day for a month. The length of the session wasn't the pay issue. I was a fuck toy and was to last until asked to stop. After a month where I think she was testing me, clients were not top notch, but I had a rep beginning. As time progressed, I started becoming scheduled by the hour. I was paid by the job at clubs or sex parties. Eventually, my clients were fairly well off. Some, I made $500 an hour, some even more. I was flown to British Columbia, where I was paid 20 grand to be filmed fucking a man's wife, mistress, and his personal escort. This session was a week long and the footage was filmed, so my face was never shown. The film is out there, but the money paid for my mortgage. When I retired, I averaged one client a day at $3,000 Canadian. I rarely got hired by clients that weren't employed and professional. I did still have side jobs for clients I really liked, but I never considered it work. My last year working, I made $350,000. I worked from age 18 until 28. I chose to retire because I found somebody that I had fallen in love with. She wasn't a client. She was someone that made me whole. She also enjoyed every bit of my acquired skill. I met my wife at a bachelorette party that I was working at. I was hired to try and seduce the bride. My wife was there but didn't know who I was or why I was there. We ran into each other later and we've been together for 18 years now. She doesn't know about my past work. She does know I've slept with a lot of women but doesn't know the number. I'm not ashamed, but to make her think about hundreds of women that paid me to sleep with them is something that she doesn't need in her head. I am still tempted daily, and at times I want to destroy my life just to feel like someone appreciates what I could do. Sex is great with my wife. Vanilla, but great. I love her, but my neighbor is the daughter of a former client and knows who I am. 
As soon as she found out, she started sunbathing nude, jumping up when I exit my back door to barbecue. She talks to me topless and tells me she has nothing I haven't seen upside down, backwards and in reverse. I'm tempted, but so far my will is strong. Lastly, so I'm not leaving anything out, I am six foot three inches tall and weigh 223 pounds. I was once handsome. I am well endowed, but people are always shocked at what is actually large and what is averagely considered large. A lot of women believe six inches is long, so anything larger is big to them. I never used Viagra unless it was for an orgy because if you are hired to have an orgy, you have to be ready regardless of attractiveness or foreplay. I love women, and if I could, I would sleep with all of them if I didn't have a band on my finger. None of this is fictional or exaggerated. I got lucky to find someone to guide me. Being an escort basically helped me survive. And there you have it. I appreciate him sending me his story. It's interesting because... You know, we'll talk about female escorts and sex workers, but what about the men? You know, and when he approached me, I think I met him through Quora with his story. I was definitely interested and said this would be great to share on one of my Let's Ponder episodes. So I want to thank him for being so open and honest about it. Before I wrap up today's episode, there are a couple of things I wanted you guys to be aware. I'm actually, as you know, in the process of moving. And I've had my P.O. box on social media and um, at the end of the podcasts in the past and on my website. And because I'm moving two counties away, I am closing that P.O. box and I will open a new one once I'm settled. So it'll probably be after the new year. So if there's anything you're dying to send me, hold on to it. I will get the new address in Goldendale, Washington soon, and I will let everybody know. Also, let's see here, a couple of, oh yeah, fighting over sex. So some ponder episodes that I'm working on is fighting over sex. I have received some short little stories and I appreciate it. But the question I have is, A, are you and your spouse or partner fighting over sex? B, why? And C, have you resolved it? Are you planning to resolve it? What methods are you using to resolve it? We'd like to know, okay, so maybe you had fighting over sex, kind of like I did with the, uh, I think I've explained it before on a previous episode, they had the post-it notes, and the woman would present certain dates to her husband. So he was prepared for that. Then he knew he wasn't going to get in trouble for asking or get in trouble for not asking. There were dates on the calendar where they were going to have their time, and it worked out. So anybody have any methods that they'd like to share? I think it would be very interesting. And secondly, a newer one, the one that got away. I had a listener, he actually, I believe had submitted a story as well, um, was, uh, no, let me see here. He submitted, yeah, I know he submitted for Ponder in the past. I can't remember if he submitted his story or not, but um, the one that got away. Did you ever reconnect with them or see them later? Um, and this gentleman's was that he dated her briefly years and years and years ago and ran into her. He didn't recognize her if, at first. She had changed for the better. 
and he's married and she was with somebody and and it was just kind of neat to reconnect. I have stories coming in of people who have reconnected with a lost love actually are now together with them. So if you have the one that got away, but you captured them again, or just the one that got away and you reconnected and just became friends or whatever, I want to know about it. We're going to do a future Let's Ponder episode on that. So shoot it my way. As always, I'm always looking for stories from women who have been unfaithful and who've considered sending in their stories. Now is a good time, as well as men who have experienced female infidelity that were hurt, that were cheated on. I'm interested in your stories as well. And as I've explained on last week's episode, and I think I left a few words out, but some people are having a hard time sitting down and writing it out. Um, And I had mentioned that you could send it to me on Facebook Messenger, but one part that I left out was you can audio record yourself talking about your story, and then you can just send it to me through Messenger, just give me a heads up. Um, And then that way, I'll transcribe it and put it together. Um, It does take me quite a bit longer to do it. But you know, if people are wanting to get their stories out, and they have a hard time sitting down writing it, I get it. Um, With that, though, if you're sending along your story verbally like that through Facebook Messenger, or you can even send it via email, but on Messenger, I'm able to see what's coming in in what order. When you do it, I ask that you have the story guide in front of you so that I know the timeline of where you are. You can explain it. Like I said, I transcribe it, I edit it down, I bounce it back to you to make sure I didn't understand or misunderstand anything or skip something and then get the okay, you send it back, and then it'll be recorded and presented on the podcast. Thank you again for listening today. And next week, we will have a brand new story from Natalie. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when they uncovered the truth. Natasha said when they came back, they found the downstairs neighbor who her co-worker had invited to the party in the house on top of Natasha with her shirt off. All I remember was feeling like I was helpless to protect my wife and that I had no choice but to believe her. This event exposed even more issues between Natasha and me, and that until this point, I had neglected to pick up on. Natasha and I had talked about having kids in the past. I personally always had a plan that I wanted to be married with a kid by the age of 25. Natasha always seemed on board with this plan, or at least I thought so. It was right around the time of that first encounter we started trying to have a kid. A few months went by, but still nothing. That's when she put stipulations on things. If you want to have children, we need a house and not an apartment. So I got her a house. If you want to have a child, I need a family-sized SUV. So I got her the SUV. It was around this time that Natasha would meet the person that would ultimately lead to our divorce. To hear bonus stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship and have early access to regular episodes ad-free, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as $3 a month.
thank you for listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. There, you will find story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon, and an opportunity to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story, share feedback about the show, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Each story is taken into careful consideration, read without judgment, and always anonymous. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by me, Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another, be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye.